First Person is produced in cooperation with the Far East Broadcasting Company, who rejoice in the stories of changed lives through the power of Jesus Christ. Learn more at febc.org. I promise you will experience a splash of joy in your life. When we reach out to others, they reach back to us. In the process of giving out to others, our own load seems lighter and there's more joy in the journey. Carol Kent is our guest coming up now in first person. Welcome, I'm Wayne Shepherd, and you'll meet Carol and learn about her joy even while her son continues his prison sentence. We'll start the conversation shortly. If you can't stay with us for the next few minutes, please set a reminder to listen online at firstpersoninterview.com. Today's program and all past first person interviews are available at the website or by downloading our free smartphone app, First Person Interview. Look for it in your app store. I also invite you to look for us on social media. Go to facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. The woman you'll meet now is an author and speaker who has been communicating the message of the Bible for a number of years. Carol Kent has a passion to teach God's Word and also trains others in how to effectively become writers and teachers themselves. But Carol Kent also bears the burden of her son's life sentence for murder— She'll talk about that, but as we began, I first asked her if life today is anything at all the one she envisioned for herself. <laughs> Definitely not. I grew up as a small-town preacher's kid, and I majored in speech education, thought I would be teaching, and I did that for a little while, but very soon, God really put me on the line of enjoying teaching women's Bible studies And pretty soon I started with a home Bible study and then a church-wide Bible study. And pretty soon I found myself as a Bible study fellowship teaching leader, uh, teaching about 350 people a week. And at that time we lived in Michigan. So we were in port here. I'm right across from Sarnia, Ontario. So about 40% of our participants came through customs to come to Bible study. And I was loving that, but God was multiplying the opportunities to speak for conferences and retreats and uh, eventually arena events. And it was very obvious to me that God had called me into full-time ministry as a Christian speaker and eventually as an author. Right. So that has been a total surprise. <laughs> Isn't it amazing, though, how God, you know, I, I love Proverbs sixteen nine: a man plans his way or a woman in this case, but God directs his steps. You know, it's, oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's God who designs our life, isn't it? It really is. And I have a lot of people say, how did you break into Christian public speaking? And I just say, the Lord. I just kept walking through the next door that was open and tried to be obedient with the opportunity ahead of me. And to me, that's the very best way that ministry multiplies. Yeah. I'm sure you get the question many people do who are in your position, how do I get to do what you do? Well, what they don't see is all the experience and hard work and history that goes into it, right? They want it now. (laughs) That's for sure. But I think we just faithfully do the job in front of us. And if we're open to be being lifelong learners and we continue to hone our skills and do the small things before God opens doors for the larger things, I think that is a very natural way that we grow in ministry. Yeah. You have such a busy speaking schedule and and writing schedule, and and we'll talk about what you're doing to encourage others in writing and speaking. How do you keep fresh? How 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 does the Lord feed your soul 
uh, so that you have something to say, Carol? Well, I would say get into the Word of God every single day. And many of your listeners know that we have had quite a journey with our son uh, who made a devastating choice. Uh, he was a Naval Academy graduate and had a very promising future, married a previously married woman with two children. There were multiple allegations involving the biological father. And uh, two and a half years and seven postponements after his arrest, he was sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. And so, Wayne, I've developed the habit of realizing that when we're under stress, when I feel like I have tears and I really can hardly read the verse on the page, if I concentrate on one scripture verse at a time and then say every day, Lord, what are you speaking into my life as a result of this scripture? That has been refreshing to me. And then I try to make a habit of journaling out what I call listening prayers. What is God speaking into me as a result of his word? And I find that that keeps me fresh. It keeps me digging for truth. Mm -hmm. It keeps me listening to the right voice. Yeah, and you touched on something there with your whole experience with Jason, who was in prison for life, the fact that when people say, how do I get to do what you do? I mean, it's born out of pain as well uh, as joy, isn't it? It definitely is. And pain for the Christian is part of the process because we live in a very fallen world where bad things happen, even to good Christian people. And I think when we are in the middle of that and we're screaming, why, Lord? I think Ask myself so many times, Carol, why are you anxious? Why are you so upset over what's happened? It's because often when we've been faithful to the Lord and we've tried to do his work in this world, when it seems like something devastating happens to one of our family members, or it might be a financial downturn, or you have yourself caring for aging parents and you realize this is a real commitment, I think we sometimes forget that this is what happens in this world. And out of that pain, God creates a compassion in us that allows us to minister more effectively mm -hmm. to others because we feel their tears. Yeah. I was going to ask you about Jason later, but I'll do it now. Uh, it's a very dramatic story, uh, his life in prison and how God is using him in prison. Of course, you speak about this often and the stories on YouTube as well. I encourage our listeners to go there. Maybe I can put a link to some of those YouTube videos in our program notes so people can catch up on that. But just talk about Jason's life today and, and how the Lord is using him. Well, very soon we will cross the 23-year mark of our son's incarceration. And in the state of Florida, when you get a life sentence, uh, that means you will never again leave a Florida state penitentiary until you're dead with a tag on your toe. Mm. It is the rest of your life. And so Gene and I moved from Michigan to Florida so we could be closer to our son. We could do ministry out of any airport. And we wanted to be here to pray with him, to support him, to visit him and to facilitate the ministry that God is using him to do behind the razor wire. So, Wayne, we launched a nonprofit organization called speakupforhope.org, and that ministry has blossomed into helping inmates and their families. So, I wish you could sit with me in the visitation area at the prison and listen as Jason shares what the needs are. And I love watching my husband, Gene, and Jason get together and say, okay, what do we need in the chapel right now? Has any equipment broken down that we can help to replace? And what are the Bible study materials you need for the next class that you're going to be teaching? And 
when we we found ourselves meeting people we never would have met under yeah. normal circumstances right. and we would stand in these long lines sometimes 2 hours long to get through the waiting process before you go through the search that eventually lets you visit your loved one you get to know people in those long lines and so we started feeling the the pain of these families of inmates. And we met spouses who had incarcerated husbands and children who were really being raised by their mamas because their daddies were incarcerated. So we started uh, working with Christians we know to, to send items to our home that we could put into boxes of hope for wives and moms of inmates, to give them a little cheer, great reading material, Christian worship music that lifts their hearts, and a coffee mug with some specialty coffee, because that makes every day go better. <laughs> but we, we wanted to be hope givers. And I really believe that as I watch Jason teaching Financial Peace University to now over 800 inmates, as I watch him mentoring men, my heart is refreshed as I see him living as a missionary on the inside. Mm. Um, tell me, just you have so many great stories, but just tell me one example of how Jason's ministry reaches outside his prison walls to touch people uh, uh, on the outside, so to speak. Well, as you can imagine, because my husband and I work in a very visible platform ministry, as well as there are people reading our books on our journey with Jason, we are contacted by many individuals. And in one of my books called Between a Rock and a Grace Place, Jason writes letters that appear in every single chapter. And so he talks about having freedom on the inside. He would be the first to say, I made an idol out of my own ability to protect my stepdaughters from the potential of abuse. I was wrong and I am paying a severe price for it. But I want you to know that once you have asked for forgiveness and received it and you have turned and gone in the right direction, God can still use what's happened as a platform upon which we can reach out to others and do his kingdom work in this world. And so I see him as he talks about contentment. Jason lives out of a tiny little lockbox. It has his Bible, a few family pictures, books he's reading, and some legal papers in it. That is everything he owns in this entire world, Wayne. And he says, you know, Mom and Dad, you don't have to have a lot of stuff to be happy. <laughs> I guess he not. Said, I love living simply because it frees me to do what God has called me to do here. So I am very grateful for the way he's always figuring out how we can help others. And you have lots of evidence of the fact that it's working. His ministry is reaching people and bringing people into the kingdom. Absolutely. And one thing that's new for me is that I now speak in a lot of jail and prisons in their chapel programs. Oh. And that was a part of ministry I never expected to happen. Speak of not envisioning that, something, huh? <laughs> no. And Wayne, last spring, I was invited to speak at a prison about 45 minutes from where we live. And when I walked in, I, I could tell the corrections officers weren't happy about working that day. And somebody said, this lady needs to be taken back to the chapel. Who can do that? And so I, I had somebody take me back. And uh, the chaplain had no idea who I was, just that I was on the roster to speak. And the, the inmates were already gathered in the chapel. And the chaplain said, 
Well, it's Women's History Month. Here's Carol Kent to speak to you today. And he hands me the mic. And Wayne, uh, it was the most unfancy platform I have been on in a long time. But I started to pour my heart out about our journey with Jason. And afterwards, I could tell the chaplain was visibly moved. And uh, with tears in his eyes, he said, Carol, uh, could the guys ask you some questions? I said, that would be great. And, and they asked me, how's Jason doing today? How does he keep his hopes up? I have a life sentence. How, how can he possibly be positive? And then, Wayne, the most amazing thing happened. One by one, men who had been with Jason in other Central Florida prisons started to stand up and give testimonies really? about Jason's impact on their life. And keep in mind, he's been in over two decades and inmates get moved around. And I had no idea there were so many inmates in that chapel who knew Jason. One of them said, Mrs. Kent, your son led me to Jesus. Mm. Another one said, your son asked me to be his workout buddy. That man is an athlete, and he helped me to get disciplined. And then another one stood up and said, I was in a cult, and your son shared Jesus with me, and I rejected Jesus. But he said, I'm now in this different prison, and I want you to tell Jason that I have recently committed my life to Jesus Christ, and he was the first one who planted the seeds of the gospel in me to even make me think about who Jesus is. And one last guy got up and said, Mrs. Kent, your son is famous throughout the prisons in Central Florida. He helps to facilitate items we need through your nonprofit organization. And we thank God for Jason Kent. That blessed me, Wayne. <laughs> and I'm sure you passed the news on to Jason. Oh, yes, yes. And he's very humble about it. I mean, he just puts his head down and says, you know what? I just try to faithfully share Jesus every single day. Uh, it's not me. It's God opening the doors. When we continue this first-person conversation with Carol Kent, she'll talk about the importance to her of mentoring. I'm Ed Cannon. The Far East Broadcasting Company partners with First Person because we celebrate the stories of people everywhere who have given their lives to Christ and serve Him. Our broadcasters in 50 countries of the world hear stories every day of people whose lives are transformed by the gospel and who have faithfully been taught God's word. In addition to First Person, I'm pleased that Wayne and I host a podcast and we invite you to join us. Listen to Until All Have Heard at febc.org. That's febc.org. My guest is author and speaker Carol Kent. I'm just talking about Carol's ministry and her life today, and I'm so grateful for the time. I, I know you have such a busy schedule, Carol, and uh, thank you for the time to sit and talk with us here in first person for a few moments today as we get to know you. Uh, many listeners already are familiar with your ministry, Speak Up conferences that you do around the country and the various uh, parts of Speak Up. You mentioned Speak Up for Hope a few moments ago, which is aimed at a prison ministry. What other elements are uh, in the in the conference ministry that you do? Well, Wayne, when I was getting educated, I was really trained to be a speech teacher, and then my master's degree is in communication arts. So as I started teaching Bible studies, and I worked for a while at Dr. David Jeremiah's church as director of women's ministries, my heart was to equip others to tell their stories 
and to teach the Bible with clarity. And so I launched a small group in my living room of about 13 women I knew had a story to tell or a love for God's word. And after we finished this little mini course I had designed, they said, hey, would you do that one more time? (laughs) And I did it in my church in a morning and an evening class. And then somebody from out of state said, Carol, I hear you're training speakers. Could you come to our church and train us? And Wayne, out of that was born uh, the Speak Up Conference. And then about 10 years ago, we realized that speakers often write And writers need to be able to talk about what they have written about. And so we launched not only the speaking track, but the writing track. Hmm. And I get so excited because this ministry has been expanding beyond anything I ever could have imagined. And many publishers and acquisition editors come to our conference and do one-on-one appointments with the participants. And so we are seeing people write Bible studies for Moody Publishing, and we're watching other Christian publishers uh, publish many nonfiction books that our participants are writing. And then last year, we said, you know what? People want to know, how can I get more training? So we launched mastermind groups and intensive coaching groups for people who are saying, I know God is tugging at my heart to be a speaker or a writer, and I need some coaching, and I need some encouragement. And I think, Wayne, often speakers and writers are isolated in their part of the country. Not everybody does what they do. And so it's so good to have that camaraderie of somebody cheering for them and saying, here's what happened to me, and here's a resource that helped. And so as we help each other and critique one another, it just becomes an ongoing delight. Let me explore that with you a little bit because I was thinking about the fact that many people are content to sit back and do their ministry and you know do what their gifting uh, has enabled them to do and they do it so well, but they don't really mentor others uh, aside from just having others observe them. You go beyond observation. You get involved in people's lives to mentor them. I think one of the things we need to do is to say, as God has grown us in whatever we do, and you've done this in radio so well, Wayne, if we see someone coming along who has giftedness, if we can just say, I see this gift in you, and I know God is already using you, how can I help? And that we can offer resources, books, and today there are so many online courses people can take. And as we open doors for others, even by introducing them to people who can help them, it is so exciting. My goal is that there are people I'm mentoring right now who will far surpass me Mm. in the work they do all over the world for God's glory. And I have to add this one thing. Okay. We have seen God move in the hearts of military spouses. And this past year, we had 42, 20-something, meaning they're young women, Uh, attend the Speak Up Conference, and their goal is to be equipped as global missionaries wherever Uncle Sam sends them all over the globe. They'll be starting Bible studies on their military bases. They'll be sharing their testimonies with uh, the gospel, inviting women to come to know Jesus. And this has been a brand new branch of Speak Up Ministries 
And they're so enthusiastic. I mean, you can hardly control the enthusiasm. And it's exciting because that enthusiasm is about their faith. I want to circle back on uh, learning from the pain that we experience in life. And I'm, I'm conscious of the fact that when you put a program like this on radio, and we've talked about some wonderful things today. There's someone listening who's in that season of pain right now. They're really hurting. Uh, I don't know what the situation is. You don't know what the situation is, but the Holy Spirit does. And the Spirit often uses you to speak into people's lives. So let's just talk to that person right now who just doesn't see any way out at the moment. First of all, I want you to know God sees you. He knows your heart. And allow yourself time to grieve. You don't have to get over this overnight because it's probably something ongoing in your life that doesn't have an easy solution. And in the Bible, it talks about uh, David being prostrate on the ground, just pouring out his sorrow before God. And it's okay to feel that grief and to acknowledge it and to talk to God about it. And then as time goes on and you find yourself being able to pick your head up off that pillow, I want to encourage you not to isolate. Look for at least one person you can share your heart with and uh, someone trustworthy, someone who will pray with you and encourage you. And one of the things that has helped me the most is what I've learned from my own son. And that is in the middle of my sorrow in the in the midst of my crisis get out a piece of paper and write down everything you have to be grateful for i was visiting jason at the prison one weekend wayne and i said honey how can you hold on to hope in the middle of a life sentence he said mom i have a gratitude list every time that cloud of depression starts to come over me i get out this piece of paper and i write down what i have to be thankful for He said, first, I'm thankful I have parents who will be my advocates as long as I live. The average number of years a lifer like me even gets visits is five years, and then nobody comes anymore. Mm. And I have friends and family who care for me and pray for me and put enough money in my account that I can help those who have nothing. And then he paused and he said, I am thankful that I can be a missionary in a very difficult place. So here comes that big point that is for all of you who struggle. Start looking around for one person who needs help worse than you do Mm. and ask God to give you the wisdom to think of a tangible act of kindness you can provide for that person in the name of Jesus. And I promise you will experience a splash of joy in your life. Because when we reach out to others, they reach back to us. In the process of giving out to others, our own load seems lighter and there's more joy in the journey. And that has been the number one way Gene and I have been able to put one foot in front of the other and begin to rediscover our joy. She started this interview on the theme of joy and ends on that same note. Carol Kent has been our guest on this edition of First Person. You can learn more about Carol, her story, and her ministry when you visit firstpersoninterview.com and follow the links we've provided. That's firstpersoninterview.com. I'm grateful to our broadcast partner who makes First Person possible. It's the Far East Broadcasting Company. FEBC takes Christ to the world through radio and new technology, and millions respond after hearing God's word, many for the first time. Show your thanks for First Person by supporting FEBC. You'll be able to view testimonies of changed lives because of the ministry when you go to febc.org. 
You'll also find our podcast online called Until All Have Heard with Ed Cannon. Check that out today online at febc.org. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Thanks for listening to First Person. First Person.